In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you to think of a time that called for a degree of urgency. Not urgent care, as in a bone being broken or a cut needing stitches, but rather of something looming on the calendar or on the schedule. Something like the wedding day that is set, and all of the flowers and the dresses, the arrangement with caterers and photographers, setting the music at the church and at the reception, all need to be made with an eye to the day that's a year or so in the future. Or it might be the work on an academic paper that is pressing its way forward so you can finish the degree and walk across the stage with hood and diploma in hand. Perhaps it is getting the house on the market or moving to a new city by a set date that's just a few weeks away. But yet there is so much to do here. We act, or at least most of us do, with a new sense of urgency, a sense that a deadline is coming, and we need to be ready for it. Because if we fail to meet the scheduling of events, well, the bride may have no wedding cake, you might be set back a semester in your studies, or you might end up living in a hotel for a few months. Jesus himself is gripped by a sense of urgency in this week's reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke. In the previous chapter, St. Luke describes Jesus having set his face to go to Jerusalem. The reason why Jesus is determined to go to Jerusalem is because he knows that it is time for all the things he came to accomplish through his passion his death, his resurrection, and ascension was ripe. The time was now. Jesus has turned towards Jerusalem, and he will not look in any other direction or be called off to some other place while he's on this journey. And knowing that the time has come, much like the seasonal harvest the farmers begin when the grain is ripe, Jesus can no longer tarry. He must go to Jerusalem. He will not pass this way through the regions of Galilee into the Samaritan countries. He will not pass this way ever again. And that is why the 70 disciples are sent ahead of him to act as heralds to go before a king to announce his arrival. Except, coupled with the urgency, is also a sense of foreboding, a hint that danger may lurk around the corner. I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Something that we need to be aware of and it is part of what Luke is pointing to with highlighting this sending is the number of people who are going. It isn't the 12 disciples who are going out alone into a world fraught with danger. It is 70 people traveling in groups of two. And by reminding us of that, St. Luke is pointing back to Moses, 
who to help carry on the work of leading the Israelites to the promised land appointed 70 elders and upon whom the Spirit also rested. Here we have Jesus seen in a similar light to Moses, appointing others to help and aid him with the task he has. And these 70 are to go out, and they are given a set of tasks to complete. Cure the sick who are there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. He is commissioning them with a part of his ministry that we have watched him take part in over and over again. And now they are to be doing the same things that Jesus has been doing. In other words, Jesus is sharing his ministry with them. But the urgency also demands a game plan that has some strict rules. Take no money, no luggage. Be ready to go barefoot and move with great speed, not stopping to talk to anyone on the way to where you are being sent. Some of the rules have to do with having faith. If you can't tote around what you think you need, And if you have no money to buy goods, then you rely both on God and on the benevolence of others. And this is also why Jesus instructs them to not move from house to house. Charlatans and traveling religious holy men of the day would do that in order to get as much from one family as they could, and then they'd move down the street or across town to the next to eat and drink that unsuspecting family out of house and home. Jesus says, no, but rather to eat what is placed in front of you, not requesting more nor making specific orders for the most expensive fare available. And we also must remember the graces of hospitality, which were an important part of the social and cultural life, and that the hosts of the disciples would already be under pressure by having people in their homes. So don't make their duty any worse than it already is. The other rules have to do with the pressing hour, this this sense of urgency that we talked about. Much like when we see people on a mission in the grocery store or focused on the teller counting money back to them at the bank. The disciples are called to be of a single purpose, to get to where they are being sent, and then to do the work they are given to do. Now, the end of our passage shifts in focus from Jesus giving them instructions to the actual return of the disciples. And they have had a successful journey. They return joyful, ecstatic. And Luke does a remarkable job of conveying to us the utter joy that both the 70 who have been sent display and also of Jesus who has awaited their return. In an age when many things in this world were not only dangerous but also deadly, 
and in many cases unexplainable, the exclamation that even the demons were under the control of the 70 would be something like one of us saying that they had done the impossible. They had solved a problem that had remained elusive. Jesus joins in their celebration, but he also then puts everything back into the true perspective of the kingdom of heaven. The joy comes not from curing people, not from having the powers of darkness submit to you, or even of performing some remarkable feat because your faith is strong. Rather, it comes from the knowledge that you are a member of the kingdom of heaven, a subject of the Most High God, and you have been acting as an emissary of the great king. Think about it this way. Someone has given you a task, a job to perform, and you are paid your wages by the time and the effort that you put in, not on a commission or not on how many people walk through the door. Your job is to be an agent of this person, and there is a full job description that you are duty-bound to fulfill. But also, you are to use your discretion and your wits to know what to do and when. When you have completed the assignment, the person for whom you have been working might ask, how did it go? What was the response from people? Did you put your best effort in every day, all day, 24-7? Be honest now. In many ways, that is what Jesus calls the 70 and to us now is like. We are given the same tasks that Jesus himself took up. We call them ministries. They can be large or small, individual or corporate. But we are on duty, as it were, every moment of each day. And our merit, our reward, is not based on how many souls were converted because of our actions, or how many sick people we healed, or even how many homeless people we provided homes for, like someone keeping a tally and a scorecard. That would be easy to measure, and perhaps even easy to do. Instead, we are judged and rewarded based on what we do and how we do it. I want you to think about the parable in Matthew 24, the one about the sheep and the goats and the king telling the sheep that they are worthy to come into his rest because they have fed the hungry and given drink to the thirsty and clothed the naked and visited those in prison and tended to the sick and have given shelter to the needy and have even buried the dead. It isn't some sort of works righteousness. It's about doing the things that Jesus would have us do because we are his emissaries.
his agents, his disciples. Our joy comes from following in the way of Jesus. Our joy comes from being members of his kingdom and that we pray daily for this kingdom to come and to come soon. Our joy comes from knowing that even when it seems that we are failing at our ministries or that people just don't seem to need what we can offer, that Jesus still takes that and uses it. I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Yes, the road is sometimes scary. Yes, we sometimes don't know where to turn or where to take shelter. But it is Jesus who sends us, who gives us power by his Holy Spirit to do all the things he has done. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.